I can't hear myself though. Can I hear myself? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, I can hear myself. Yo, what's good? What's going on? Man, bro, week 10 in that thing. It really is week 10. 10, man. Like, that's a report card and a week. That's a quarter in a week of school. I mean, yeah. 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 I'm I'm with that. Uh what's going on, everybody? Uh this is your boy just Nick underscore ninety one on IG. Yo, and it is that crazy creative. Clover with a K. Um, my IG was that crazy creative, if y'all didn't know. I should have <laughs> said that. But you can type in Clover with a K and find me as well. Yeah, I feel like that works. <laughs> so how was your week? You know, wait, before we get into that, sorry, um, because it is week 10, just, you know, want to tell everyone who has been listening um, and, you know, hanging out with us, even if it's been for a week or maybe just for a couple of minutes, if you just checked our checked out our podcast and logged off of it after 30 seconds, um, still, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for, you know, just about you know, being there with us laughing and stuff like that. Yeah, just wanted to say that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, for real. I mean, it's it's been real, and I mean, it, it's cool to come in here and, you know, chop it up with y'all every day, but it's cool that people look forward to hearing it, and they listen because they want to hear us chop it up. So, yeah, man, thanks for, you know, picking up the guac, you know, scooping it up. <laughs> That's facts. Hey, hey, hey. So, yeah, I mean, but other than that, my week was pretty good. Um, after recording, me and you actually, we didn't speak much this week. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, it was busy. It was yeah. oddly busy, but as funny as that is, as busy as my weeks usually are, you know, I never have much to say about that <laughs> because it's usually all just work and there's only so much about my job, you know, detail-wise I can go into. Without people, like, investigating and figuring it out. Well, yeah, I also <laughs> just don't know the... Um, the ins and out of what I can talk about about my job. <laughs> so, you know, because it deals with personal information and stuff. So that's why I, I just kind of just give like, you know. The gist of working, not yeah. the actual <laughs> courses, but the gist of going to work every day. But yeah, other than that, you know, my week has been all right. Um, just, you know, going with the flow. I uh, had a, you know, nice visit from, you know, my family on Easter. You know, that was dope. And, you know, just pretty much chilled. How about you? Oh, man, same. Um, my weeks, I feel like I didn't make it home past midnight every day this week. I mean, I made it home past midnight. Um, Let me see. Uh, Easter. Okay, so Easter was dope. Um, My brother, I have a brother, for those who don't know, he came through and we had crawfish. <laughs> Oh, uh, so we, yeah, we ate You're crawfish. Like the same thing you just ate yeah. 10 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, like literally had it a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> but we had crawfish and got to kind of chop it up and all of that good stuff, and that was really, really nice. Um, in my family, we don't really have, like, tradition per se. I think because we all grew up and did things, we were kind of like, what, what do we do now? <laughs> like... <laughs> do we still come here and color eggs or um because we didn't I don't think we really had what was customary versus what was traditional in our home so um but he did come through and spend some time um and then I think 
you know, it was content night, met some really, really dope people. And then um, I went to a blind dinner on Wednesday and that was super dope. So, yeah, we were blindfolded and they gave us three courses. Uh, what was this place? Um, I think it was just called Dinner in the Dark. Um, they okay. rented out a spot in like the Fairmont Hotel. Um, but yeah, we go. They gave us blindfolds. Um, and we just sat and ate in the dark. Um, I got the seafood and um V, she was who I went with, um, she got the beef and so we kinda ate a little off of each other's plate just to kinda try to taste everything. And it was pretty good. Yo, that's what's up. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Would you ever eat in the dark? I mean, yeah, I would. You know, I'm, I'm usually pretty game for trying just about anything, like, you know, food-wise at least once. Um, you know, I draw the line on certain things. But for the most part, I'm pretty adventurous when it comes to eating. So, yeah, I'll, I would try it. I mean, and it's not like it's the food that's so adventurous as much as the experience itself. You know, so... You know, there's a strong possibility I may get in there and we're just eating in the dark and someone hands me chicken wings. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, if you know me, you know, I love chicken wings. Yeah. So, well, then you get it. Like, so it was pretty fun. It was the food was really, really good. Um, So, yeah, it was it was real fun. And then, um, of course, we got bookings coming up, AOD. Eh? We got a stupid big event. The owner's having a massive birthday party um, next week. So if you're in Dallas, you know, DM for details. Um, everyone's invited. It's a party. I'll be on the ones and twos doing my thing. Hey. So, yeah, that's kind of what I have going on. Um, somber moment, though, you know, just shout out to DMX, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, that that whole situation was really sad. Um, you know, uh, rest in peace, of course, DMX, prayers to his family. Um, you know, that is uh, that's a you know, that was a tough pill to swallow for, you know, the hip hop community entirely, you know, because DMX was DMX. And of course, you know, with this, his connections to, you know, Rough Riders, you know, that's what you think of when you think the when you think, you know, Rough Riders, you think DMX, you think Swiss Beats. Um and so, you know, we lo we lost a part of culture. Um our modern rap history. He's one of those people who was never duplicated. You know what I mean? So his flow People cadence. People didn't even try to imitate. No, like. no, no, no. Not at all. And I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, like, he was never duplicated. There was literally no one who could do what DMX did. You know, like his flow, his cadence, his voice, you know. Um, and, you know, just as, you know, like, I think it's like this unspoken, like, um, rule almost. Or like this unspoken, unspoken love for the... Um, uh, that dang movie um, with Jet Li uh, and Aaliyah. Um, I can't think of it right now. I don't know why I can't think of the name of this movie right now. Um, there's like this unspoken rule about that movie. That's like the album to that movie, though, is uh, so dope, you know. So with him and Aaliyah both being, you know, prominent figures on that album and, you know, a lot of their songs uh, being on there, uh, it was, you know, it's still really sad for the culture in general. You know, we took an L and yeah. So, you know, uh, rest in peace, DMX, you know, prayers to his family um, and, you know, uh, let everybody grieve the way they're going to do it, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, like he was just such a blueprint when it came to music. I mean, um, 
maybe that's why I was like really into like Petey Pablo and all of them this week. Just wanting to be in the moment. Cause I mean, it was, I mean, the energy he brought, I mean, it is definitely, definitely, definitely sad. Um, so we just want to take a moment and just, you know, um, yeah, honor that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The um, um the PD Pablo week was fun though. Yes. I mean, <laughs> okay. That phone conversation was great. <laughs> when you called me like, hey, um, you know what I really wanted to listen to today? You and I think you like legit said the words like this was on my spirit. It was if on I'm- my <laughs> spirit hard. Yo. I was just like North Carolina. Come on and raise up. I was like I'm pretty sure I was cooking breakfast. I was busy doing something when you caught <laughs> like when we were talking about early. this. <laughs> and we had a whole hype seg- segment about this just on the phone. Like, yes. that was so funny. Like, I don't know if it's like, I'm a theater kid. So when I take on new projects or new, um, you know, new roles, I take on, in a sense, kind of like a new identity. So since I have began DJing, I look at music differently. Um, right. You know, it was before it was like what I like, but now I'm like, oh, how does this make me feel? Like, if I was to mix this in, what is the reaction I'm trying to do? Like, it's music is so much bigger now. I look at it more so of like setting a tone. And I mean, that era of music was a song, it was a, a vibe, it was a party. Like, I feel like when PD Pablo was out, early 2000s, was it? Yeah. It was. It was always a party. It was like feel good music, but turn up. I mean, who doesn't know frequently? It was like day party turn up. Like, I don't feel like you had to listen to that at night. Like, it was too aggressive for the nighttime. You really didn't. Yeah. You didn't need the BET uncut that one. It was just very like. (laughs) But it was definitely on some pool party, day party, turn up, basketball game pickup game type. that's right because that's yeah. where our conversation went was like we feel like we just didn't have that life like how come we don't have you know that life that those video that those music videos seem to have yeah like they look i mean think about how you just you get dressed and you'd be like okay yeah nick i'm gonna meet you at the park to watch you play basketball like who <laughs> is doing that and that's what i thought adulthood would be with pickup games and then maybe fade through the club later but oh well in the shot pickup games was actually the thing though we actually went and played ball at the courts like yeah that was a thing for us so when you came here to texas we don't do that oh i know (laughs) coming here to texas was a huge culture shock for me like the hood don't get together like they do y'all barbecue a lot you know y'all cook (laughs) a whole bunch i mean y'all do stuff like that y'all have y'all's little dances um i don't you know y'all just y'all's Y'all's way is just so different from ours, but um, it's still, you know, it's got its own vibe out here. It's, you know, it's still dope in a sense, you know. Um, but yeah, it we actually did stuff like that though. So, I mean, with like it was COVID. nothing for us to go hoop and go to the rink after that, um, and just was, live and have a good time. Yeah, now like summertime life for us, and maybe that's the difference. You all have there's only so much you can do in a short period of time in Chicago. So, because you don't have summer very long. So them 90 days, them 90 to a hundred days, like you got to make the best of them because once they get cold, it's kind of like, okay, well, it's time to go hibernate, you know. Back in the house. I mean, we be outside in the wintertime, but there are days, you get so many days where it's just too cold to do anything. So you're just like, ooh, I don't think I'm going to make it today. You know what I'm saying? So it's nothing like being like, 
I've always felt bad for the girls in Chicago mm. because be trying to go to the club in February and you're waiting outside and it's like negative like three degrees outside I, negative I four be in the line. and i'm talking about like it'd be like skirts and i'd be like mm, like i feel so bad for y'all because it's just not really cute to wear a coat and <laughs> oh so and yeah I, it just they didn't be. probably have coat check either so you know what i don't really know i was never a big coat person it's funny that yeah, i've you like growing up in chicago I was, I was never a big coat person like i would wear a coat outside real quick and then by the time i made it to my car my coat would be off because i don't like driving with coats on um so it was more of a thing like i just had it just in case you know like i kept like essentials in my car like people always thought it was weird i would keep a blanket in my car and but because come on car blanket because this is the deal it wasn't like just a regular little blanket either it was like a full-on like comforter car sheet please because the deal is this if for some odd reason your vehicle ever stopped and you're hanging out at night you know you get a flat anything if you're if you can't change it or if you're out waiting for someone on a roadside or something just happens and you strand it you need to be able to warm up you know because that cold is no joke especially at night when the sun is not warming anything up anyway so when i tell you that it was essential to stay prepared for that weather you really had to stay prepared for that weather but um it. yeah so but other than that man yeah it was just you know it was just a different time for me when i got here um so it was a little bit different when i got here but still made the best out of it because the one thing i can say that i did that i did not do there is i was always in someone's pool when i got here i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean pool life is life out here i, I mean, mean our bars pool until like... two o'clock in the morning i mean yeah. <laughs> that you don't get that in too many other places besides like here in arizona you know what i'm saying so like to be able to go do that type of stuff because summer nights is really a thing yeah because it's not at home like we could get up to like 95 and we will get like 100 degree days and stuff but you always had to have like a change of clothes because by the time nighttime rolled around, it was back to hoodies and jeans. Like that's how, you know, you can have a 40 degree, you know, uh, swing in temperature and, you know, in Chicago. Now you had your nights where it was hot and stuff, but typically it was, yeah, it was usually pretty, pretty mild. Um, and on top of that, the thing about our, our heat is your day, the temperature usually, you know, it reached its peak midday out here i was telling my dad i was like yeah if it's gonna be 100 degrees today it may just be hitting 90 by noon and at 5 p.m it's still getting warmer and my dad was like what i said yeah it's still getting warmer outside so you may hit 103 degrees at 6 p.m and it's like well dang but that's like the best part about it because I can go still go to the pool at 6 p.m. when the sun is not as prominent outside. So I can deal with 100 degrees out here at 6 p.m. because I can still be outside in the pool swimming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I'm excited for. Summer night swimming, more crawfish until oh, it it's, gets too cold. It's I mean, going to be lit. I'm, I'm ready for summer. I mean, same. But I think that's the thing COVID did do is it start bringing back some of those things that people do probably in other states regularly here because now I see people hiking and I see people getting together to do kickball. Like, outdoor activity is like a thing. Yeah, it's really time to get our outdoorsy uh, things going. Like, we need to still go play tennis. Oh, that's coming. Con t tennis content loading soon. <laughs> like, I am, I'm just waiting on, like, I need a little stamina because I'm going to be out there <sighs> trying, dang near having an <laughs> asthma attack. But I am. I'm really excited for, like, things to continue to be warmer and 
longer days and all of that. And then, you know, I get uh, my son goes to his father during the summer. So I'll have unlimited time to tap in here in a little bit. And I'm excited for that. Um, let me see. What oh, else. yeah. You are going to be pretty free this summer, aren't you? Yes. 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 <laughs> That's when I, uh, you know, tag my man, tag my man, tag, you know, so we uh, do the, ha- the switch off and I get to enjoy the summer like all these other, like, you know, on some Cardi B's, <laughs> on some bald headed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going out and, you know, doing, you know, doing hood things with your friends. Backwood onesies and all. Oh, like. we're not going to talk about that backwood onesies. <laughs> I've already talked to you about this. Uh, there is no association here with I that. I just want to plug it in. Yeah, please don't <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, but no, I am. I'm really excited for that. Um, sometimes I wish that we had the beach like Cali so we could have our heat at night and do the bonfires, but like not be cold. <laughs> yeah, because that desert life, uh, that's a completely different life that I don't want to live because at least in Chicago, it was, you know, you typically expected that. You wasn't mm-hmm. expecting, like, winter-like temperatures in California at night. Like, playing volleyball during the day, all hot and sweaty, and it's like, bam, freezing. I'm like, excuse me, um, I didn't come here for that. <laughs> that is something to get used to. And they say in Texas, we have 12 different outfits. I feel like in Cali, you got to have, like, your sweatpants in the car ready because if you stay out, one hour too late, it's cold. I mean, freezing. You have pneumonia. Yeah, not <laughs> kind of cold. You like, <laughs> like so. Yeah, it's, it's it's a different life out there. Um, yeah, and you get the weather like that in Texas, but not necessarily like it's nowhere near as bipolar as other places that I've been. You know, Texas yeah. is actually really not that bad. Now we a day to day variant, right? Like <laughs> at least your one day will be consistent. You know what I'm saying? It's usually the next day that's pretty bad. And what I've learned, and I tell people this, I think where we're located in Texas, it's um, we are sitting in a space that is in the middle of two like different weather patterns. So the like that Oklahoma, you know, like tornado alley weather pattern is a little bit different from like the southern like Louisiana Houston weather pattern. But we sit in the middle of both mm-hmm. where those two patterns meet. I tell people that I'm like, because the southern part of Texas could be getting some really bad weather. And then like that southern part of Oklahoma into the northern part of Texas could be getting bad weather. But like right where Dallas sits is in the middle of all of that. So we don't ever seem to get the weather like they're like, oh, storms are rolling through. Be prepared. And Mm -hmm. we get like a cold front from it or something like that. But then we the rain doesn't really hit, (laughs) you know, like we don't actually get the weather, which is pretty weird to me. Texas would fool you. Like a lot, like oh my gosh, it's gonna storm. Never mind, we we didn't want to. We decided against that. Actually. <laughs> yeah, storming didn't feel like the thing to do. I so. always hate it in the winter though because it gets so humid, <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, great, I can't wait for this rain, and then the rain doesn't come, and then it stays humid. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be I'd be over it. I'd be like, wait, but the rain was supposed to come, and it doesn't come. It, it just it just leaves you hanging. Yeah, so, I mean, but I am still all in all excited for summer, summer nights. Um, Another thing I did this week was I was on a friend's podcast, a visual podcast. I forgot about that. Yeah, how did that go? Uh, Being on camera is way too much work. Like, you got, because you got to make sure you, like, 
know how you holding your face when you talk. <laughs> and, you know, like when we come in here, can't nobody see us. So, you know, we could be laid out. Right, right. Um, But there I was like, okay, am I looking right? Like, how am I looking? Okay. And then like when you laugh, because sometimes you just have an ugly laugh, <laughs> laugh, you know, and your face <laughs> that, you know, you want to make sure your face is showing that right. Right. But, um, yeah, I I did that. So that was fun. And um, so her podcast was, well, what the subject we talked about was about um, professionalism. Like, okay. what is that? Dressing, um, you know, being of color in these different spaces, you know, like hair and all the things. And it was it was interesting to talk about because, you know, me and you used to work together. Well, and we just talked about that last week with the whole Ricky Smiley thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually funny because that fed right into what we, you know, what we just talked about, about the whole Ricky Smiley thing. So I actually am really interested to hear that episode of that podcast. Yeah, check so it out. So I can, um, yeah. Um, but let's not, you know, put a, a specific date on when it's going to release because we don't necessarily know when that happens well, these days. <laughs> well, actually... The actual audio version isn't out, but she did it visually. So oh, so that was live. It was live. Oh, okay, my gosh. Dope. Live. Mm-mm. It's not for me. I couldn't do live. I can guest on some live stuff, but being live was work because, like I said, you got to be so aware, and it's real time. Yeah, you can't, you know, mess up. Yeah, it was fun, though, and um, like you said, we got into the Ricky Smiley thing because she also is in uh, corporate America, and it's really cool because she's living out – She's kind of like you, corporate captive by choice, living out what she wants to do. That's right. Um, and so it was, I was like, girl, I think professionalism is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> and she very much was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, no, she got what I was saying. I said, because what I was getting at was who deems, uh, there's a small like outline for what's professionalism, professional. Etiquette in general. Yeah. yeah but it, and that's you. what I told her. I said, this. It's common sense. I said, you don't wear, you're not really supposed to wear your pajamas to Walmart. So why would you wear them to an office? I was like, it goes back to like time and place. Um, And so I was like, I think that people use the umbrella of professionalism to convey what it is, to try to convey and control whatever it is they want. I mean, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I mean, but typically the thing is this, you know, especially when it comes to professionalism, when, you know, dress in the workplace, they tell you what's appropriate. Yeah. And so, you know, we got into the subject of natural hair. Kind yeah. of like what we did. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who? That's something made up. Clean hair. That's really what you need. Clean. Make sure it don't stink. Um, and it's tamed. Right. But as far as the actual style, because for people to be like, oh, you know, you straight hair, that's not an it. Like for us as, you know, African-American people to feel like, oh, we have to not wear our natural hair. I'm like, it's who made that up? Because right, because it turns into a thing where where culture and professional. I mean, when culture, yeah, and professionalism collide. Because for you to say natural hair, we as black people, we actually use the term natural, mm-hmm. and what's natural to us, you know, is based on the texture of your hair. You know what I mean? It's based on you and not what somebody deems natural for you because if mm-hmm. you say natural that does not that doesn't tell me to walk in there with my hair pressed or flat ironed it, and that's what i was saying yeah I was like, for us natural that doesn't mean that that's actually not okay. natural yeah, huh? yeah and that's yeah. what i explained to her i said you know i give grace where i feel like grace is needed right and i said culturally i think i don't think you know people from different cultures understand that 
Yeah, we actually, my hair is actually coarse or it's curly and it grows out Correct. this way. And I alter my appearance to look like this. But because we did it for so many generations, mm-hmm. it's a staple. It's what is expected. And I was like, so I was like, when it comes to professionalism, it's most a lot of cultural awareness we have to teach. Correct. Um, so people understand, like, I'm not rebelling when I decide to wear my puffs. I just felt like styling my hair this way today, no different than whomever comes in with a pixie cut or they try some, or they try extensions. It's, it's a hairstyle at most. Right. I think that, you know, a huge thing of it is, like I said, is when culture and professionalism collide is not that hairstyles and stuff are distracting because they try to use the word distracting in the workplace. They use that phrase very loosely. And I said, no, you looking at something and realizing that it's different is not me being distracting. That's you looking at something because it's different. That's nothing to do with me being distracted. I'm not distracting you from your work. You're paying attention to me. And that's a different situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, dress code is fine. You know, um, if you say dress code, I understand that. Um, If you say in the beginning that this is the job, this is what it entails, and this is how I expect you to look, then that's what I, you know, then that's what I need to follow if I accept the job, you know, but if I don't accept the job, I mean, if that's not what you told me and you just pull me in a meeting one day and be like, your hairstyle is distracting to the department. No, I don't understand how it's distracting. It's not distracting me. So how I don't understand how anybody else is distracted by it. You know, it's not like you're walking around with signs and flags in your hair. You're walking around with a hairstyle. And I will say this, you know, I get, you know, your example with your example. Yeah, I get like the cuts and, the, you know, the styles. But, you know, there are some things that do look a bit more, you know, um, professionally accepted. Like if I see you walk into a meeting, you know, with two puffs in your head with two, <laughs> you know, like I may be like, right. But you don't see such and such with like two pigtails, you know. And that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like so that's where you kind of get that thing where it may not be so professional, but you know, like a straight back puff, yeah, sure. You know, go that's a ponytail. Right. Go rock that. Right. You know, if but the thing is like the line has to be drawn because your ponytail is not gonna look like Karen's ponytail, you know? Um And we can and we're not saying that Karen's ponytail is the standard, it's more so of understanding that texture right is different than styling. Exactly. And, and so that's and that's the deal right there. It's like because we're not saying it's the standard, but it's almost almost like it's supposed to be implied mm-hmm. and it's not and that's not the implication that should be given um when you are you know when you're in the workplace your ponytail your hair shouldn't have to be pressed out every day for you to come to work because of the damage it may do to your hair not that it may do but that it will do you know so that's not like it shouldn't have to be the standard you shouldn't have to go pay you know all this money to get your hair done just so your boss can be like oh okay well that hairstyle's fine today you know that's not what you should have to do it shouldn't be something that you should be told to do and it's so funny because um we had this conversation because on facebook i saw a thread where this girl said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to create my own company. And in my own company, I'm going to put in the policy that um, blonde straight hair is not per dress code. It's not in compliance. And it was crazy to see all the people who came on. It was like, you're making this a race issue. You're doing this. And she was like, I never once mentioned race. But what it is is you identified you correlated a certain style with a certain culture and you got offended. 
That's right. And it's more so of just like, hey, I'm holding this mirror up to you because this a lot of the time they don't do see. That's right. They don't see that it's like the same. They see, they think it's different. And I mean, some of it is, you know, at one point culturally we played the game to get in, to get in. We straightened our hair. We tried that. Now we are quote unquote woke and realize, uh-uh. Well, because first of all, this is the deal. You straightening your hair should be just something you do because it's something you want to do. You know, now how you style your hair after you straighten it, that's when we start to blur those lines. You know what I mean? Like you straightening your hair shouldn't be a problem. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if you decide to straighten your hair, you decide to straighten it. But more than but you know, more than that, you should be able to walk around and rock your hair with your natural, you know, your natural look, you know, regardless. Now there's also a difference, though, with, you know, people who uh, get out, like, just roll out of bed and they just go, you know. And I'm not saying do that. You know, if you're going to do natural, I mean, bottom line is, you know, take care of yourself in general. Um, make yourself presentable when you go to the workplace. So that does mean actually getting up and doing something. And like you said, just make sure your hair is clean. But as far as, like, that example goes right there, yeah. I mean, there was nothing about race in there. But obviously that's, you know, that's a blonde girl with straight hair's natural look. So it's not about race. It's but at the same time the rules have, you know, made it a race issue. You know, the rules that are already set have made it a race issue. Not that I'm making it a race issue. It's been there because I'm the one who's been getting in trouble for it or written up for it or fired for it for this long because it's how I naturally look. So why would that not be a problem? So now it's it shouldn't be a problem because I'm doing it to you. And that's really what it is. So um, but yeah, we kind of got on the subject of that. We got on and um, fashions, um, and then about um people of color, you know, who see other people of color and how some of them are like, yes, I'm gonna help out. I'm gonna show you the way. I'm gonna mentor. And then how some are like, Mm-mm, you messing up the vibe. Um, and all of that. And um, yeah. And so that was one of the things that they um, were talking about. And I was telling her about my experience. I said, I've always kind of beat to the rhythm of my own drum. And I also try the rules to the very, you know, to the parameters. I was like telling them how I used to work. And I used to come into work with that pink and black robe. I mean, it was, a, it was technically, it was like a, it was a, duster that's what it was classified as but people were like is that a robe and i'm like no of course i wouldn't wear no dang robe to work but you know and i was like perfect my professionalism was challenged because they saw my outfit and my style and they and they decided to because they didn't fit their standards they decided to question it and tell me oh maybe you should try something different and all that no if you go look this up at the target it says that it's a duster. If it was a bedrobe, you know, then I understand. But just because it looks like one, it's not. Therefore, it's still professional because we can wear dusters. Um, and it's like you wanted me to fit this mold. And I remember being where we worked. Um, I feel like there were some people who worked there who were definitely like, let me help you. Let me show you the way because, you know, it's us. And then I felt like there were a lot who were kind of like, mm. Mm, who were very judgmental and very like, you know. They let anybody in here these days. And then there were some who were like, this is what professionalism is. And so, you know, you need to play the game to get ahead, but didn't really know how to play the game themselves. They just thought they did. 
Yeah, they were selling out and didn't even know it. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah. Another reason why I just had to drop out. It wasn't for me. Um, too many politics about sh- stuff that don't matter. Um, how I wear, if it's not affecting my job. Um, if I And the thing is, you know, I'm jovial. So whenever I had to correct somebody, I was not professional. And I was like, oh, no, baby. <laughs> I'm going to check you professionally. You're just not used to me coming at you this way. That's right. I mean, because the thing is this, you can only say and do so much to a person, you know, whether it be professionally, you know, unprofessionally before that person, you know, retaliates, you know, and I'm not I'm not one of them old HR running to dudes like, oh, let me go, you know, let me go get a record of this. Let me get a paper trail. That's no, that's not me. I'm gonna go ahead and um, yeah, we can go ahead and, you know, if you need to schedule this meeting, sure. But we just gonna go ahead and just go talk about this together real quick. And, um, yeah, that's going to be that. Yeah. And so that's what one of the things, and I like explained to her, I was like, look, when it comes to being professional, A, they'll let you get away with anything. And that's anyone that lets you get, get away with anything as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're showing results. Um, B, professionalism is only what is deemed professional. It's only to those who matter. Um, and those are normally the quote unquote shot callers. Um, I could care less what my, um, equal thinks. Um, I care about like, not my manager, but my manager's manager, manager. Cause if they love me, I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, and that's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I'm not actually trying to prove anything to you because you and I are on the same level. Um, but well, who, who actually, you know, looked at this and liked it. Yeah. That, you know, who actually mattered said that it was cool. So, um, you know, that's who I'm actually trying to, you know, get one up in with right here. Not, not you. So you can just kind of keep your opinion to yourself. Yeah. And so, um, that was one of the things we had got into. So it was a really good, like podcast is talking about it. And I told her, I was like, girl, like, you know, do you and do you to whom, who matters, uh, to whom, who matters, because a lot of people don't matter and they're going to try to set a standard, but, um, and it's, it's not a standard. I was like, do your job, do it well. Because I was like, in entrepreneurship, uh, I've made so many business deals off the clock. Um, I'm still adjusting to the off the clock doesn't exist for me. Um, but I'll be out with people like naturally. I remember one of the dudes um, I met, real dope guy. He makes this amazing um, brand um, of like, athletic, uh, athletic clothing. And um, I had just went to go see the homie, like, do his thing. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to come support. I know you're doing a photo shoot today. You bring in different brands in. Like, let me pull up on you. And he was like, yeah, for sure, bet. Pull up on him, meet old good dude. And I'm like, dang, your stuff is dope. You got to come back to my office with me. You got to come and see these people. And so, I mean, and you know how I look when I don't care. Um, <laughs> like, so I'm, like, looking like, you know, toe up. But I'm like, bro, like, look, this is what I do come come pull up with me in that moment nothing physically about me was professional professional um but how i had a conversation what i was saying and all of that how i carried myself was like how we related it wasn't some professional stuff it wasn't like oh my gosh you know oh my gosh i like your your shirt it was hey i think what you have is dope this opportunity i have would you like to come see it um, and so I, I feel like sometimes professionalism, like I said, when I say it's a myth, I'm like, um, am I going to think, you know, Beyonce, if she was cool as a fan and we're having shots, I mean, 
am I going to be like, oh my gosh, we had a meeting and she was so unprofessional. And in a lot of the meetings, a lot of, a lot of deals are made, you know, for lack of a better word, but at the strip club, like a lot of stuff is done like <laughs> outside of work. So it's, it's really a fine line with professionalism. It's a mask. It's a myth. It's an illusion because most people want to, most people who get promoted, you know, they don't play the game outside of work. They've built these relationships, you know, they're going to the happy hours. They're knowing who need they know they're knowing who they need to on a personal level. Um, and you're learning stuff. So again, what, what the heck is professionalism? Well, I, you know, I feel like professionalism is based on the profession you're in, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And that's, you know, that's the real thing, professionalism, you know, because of how you work and the, you know, in the industry that you decided to pursue, you know, your entrepreneurship, there is a, um, there's a different code of professionalism that you need to have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Professionalism for you could be, yeah, we can go out and have a drink, but we can't go out and get drunk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's professionalism for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't have to be in business attire because, first of all, I'm coming to look at your your fitness line. So me being able to rock fitness attire is probably what he's looking for. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and to show, you know, and it's also more about just your personality. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're an entrepreneur like that, you're showcasing your personality a lot more than you're showcasing your professionalism. So that is, um, that's where, you know, you have those differences in professionalism and it goes back to your question. Like who's to say what the standard of professionalism is supposed to be. And that's all I'm getting at. And I'm like, and then, like you said, it's just where you are. Because if we all playing hopscotch and I decide I don't want to play, I just feel like, oh, maybe I'm not being professional this time because I'm not looking like a team player. Um, So, like I said, it was a really good podcast. It was a really good episode. It was really nice. She was a friend I went to college with. So, it was really nice just to kind of chop it up, reminisce, and talk about everything and all of that. So, um yeah check that out i think uh vk gems if y'all are interested in just hearing more perspectives and going deep check that out on facebook um which kind of leaves me here um with you so leaving i guess a, a corporate job in which you weren't in your field how do you what is i guess the biggest professional transition from going like to somewhere where it's like this is a job to pay my bills and it looks good on my resume i guess kind of to like getting that job and landing that job that is within your degree um and you're doing what you need to be doing like culture wise um mindset wise communication with the colleagues because i feel like if you want to be there your colleagues want to be there i feel like where we were before it was a job you know, it was while it was like more corporate, it was a professional job. It still was like a, a job. I don't feel like anyone woke up in the morning and said, yes, I want to be this. So one thing I was always told was, um, you know, is dress for the job that you want. That was like, you know, that's a pretty, you know, that was a pretty prominent saying for people who were trying to move up um, when you were questioning, you know, like, what should I wear? You know, oh, they have a pretty relaxed dress code. What should I wear? And I was always told to dress for the job you want. So for me, going to this job that wasn't necessarily in my field, the bottom line was I had to look at it as a stepping stone because at the end of the day, whether it's in my field or not, I can put this on my resume and relate it some kind of way to something that is in my field. You see what I'm saying? Because 
based on the job I have now, I'm an accountant, you know, and I do, you know, it's usually for grants for medical facilities and stuff like that. So one thing that I got from working in the department we worked in was experience with reading contracts and legal binding agreements, you know, so I got that experience from doing that, you know, so I was able to apply that to the position. That was one of those skills that I was able to transfer in, you know, you know what I'm saying? That was actually more of a hard skill, not a soft one. Um, So I had to treat the job as if it was the job in my field, because something about that job was in my field. So either way it goes, maintaining that, um, that level of, you know, responsibility and taking it serious, you know, and saying, no, this is this is a stepping stone. This is a job for me. But when I look back and I have to and I have to give a history on my career, I can't exclude this job because this job still did um, help shape and help phase where my career went. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So because my very first job in the auto industry started as just a job, but it started a small mini career for me in the auto industry. However, that started a larger career for me in the professional industry. So, and that all started with my first job at the movie theater. I got promoted to be an assistant manager when I was like 18. And so that all, that all trickled down. All of that transpired. Sorry, it wouldn't trickle down. That's the opposite effect. So that all transpired from you know, one, one another. And of course your first job is just a job. However, for my second job, I was able to put that on a resume because my second job was at a bank. Oh, okay, cool. Now he's a teller. And then my third job, I was dealing with cash, you know? Mm. And so these are the things that I learned to do. I learned how to, I got the bank job because I learned how to balance a safe and, and, uh, and do a closing ledger. So doing the ledger at a higher scale at a bank, um, that was able to help me move forward to the jobs that I had because then from that I was able to be a personal teller because now I mean a personal banker because now I can close the safe and manage it and balance it and audit it and learning how to audit actually put me right into where I was with wanting to be an accountant because that's I've always loved audit you know what I'm saying I know what something is supposed to be so my job is to figure out why it's not right right (laughs) you know me so um those were, you know, that's what I took from that. So although the previous company was just a job, it was still just a job that helped shape my career. So that's how I was able to apply it. You know, I didn't necessarily love my experience there towards the end, but everything leading up to that was was good for me. You know what I'm saying? And the only reason why I left the department that you and I both worked in together was because of school and the way that things were changing in that department. And I didn't want to have to ask for too many favors. So that's why, you know, it kind of transpired the way it did, because I could have very well stayed in that industry and did what I'm doing now, in a sense, there. It was just that things just kind of, you know, kind of went downhill for me at a certain Mm -hmm. point. Um, So I just had to go ahead and leave and, you know, and go move on to something better. And that's um, really that on that. I feel like uh, professionalism where we were... um, I feel like unprofessional. It was more unprofessional than professional. The thing is, it's just profession unprofessionalism tactics that didn't get caught, like snide, underhanded comments, um, and the gossip. Like I'm like, there's so many unprofessional things, but it's masked by a smile and a good morning, um, which you know, like I said, like but going into entrepreneurship, 
it's a lot of that too. Like I said, professionalism changes on the day industry and person I'm speaking with. Um, and it's really hard. Uh, cause what I do like, you know, it's, it's not quite entertainment, but it's creative services. And, um, with creative services, it's, um, it's a, being creative is a very intimate part of a being of a person. Um, and so you're honestly asking, asking me my innermost thoughts when you're asking me to create something or my opinion. So a lot of the time people cross lines that you didn't even really know was there versus when I was in corporate, it was very, you know, cut and dry. You know, you do do this, you don't do that. But again, like with pushing limits, like I said, I remember I used to wear my duster and they'd be like, is that a bathrobe? And I'd be like, no, it's a duster. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just kind of like, are people who come to you and they're like, hey, um, just want to give you the heads up about this. And to me, wasn't really professional. Honestly, the people who cared the least, who were a lot more laid back, were the most professional. And the people who were trying to be something they weren't were the most unprofessional. Um, so I'm so happy I'm out of that. Um, like I said, I, I feel like when it comes to entrepreneurship versus um, working politics, it's really like the thing I don't miss. But there's still so many politics with um, entrepreneurship because you kind of run off a popularity contest, which I kind of feel like is the same thing when you work in places it's like do they like you enough I remember when it was like you want to get promoted go over to other departments and in a sense rally votes <laughs> like rally friends yes and I'm sitting here like can't you just see I'm dope and be like yo that's enough um and that's one thing I do like in about entrepreneurship though once you get to a certain level they don't care um if you can like in my part-time like I said I sell glasses if you a top seller in your GEIs, which is like your accessories, your, um, you know, like your how much you sold per uh, per unit, you know, how many protection plans, yada yada yada, you sell. Long as that's good, they don't care. They shouldn't, but yet there's like a lot of politics involved with that, where people do underhanded things to kind of like catch, wait to catch you slipping just to kind of get you out the door. And that's what I don't like about working because in entrepreneurship, there is no out the door. Like people have said, I mean, not necessarily in my industry, but acting, for example, you, oh, you've been blacklisted. Like Monique used to say that I've been blacklisted from the industry, but she's still Monique and they don't take that away from her. Right. Yeah. One thing you can't do and, you know, stuff like that is you cannot take away somebody's credibility or their credits or what they have done. You know what I'm saying? So I do get what you are saying. And the difference, you know, between you and I and what we do and how we view professionalism, you were you were a lot more involved, like with the people in general, you know, especially in that first department that we worked in. Um, and the department that we worked in was such a, you know, it was kind of like a revolving door as far as the new people who came in it. So I didn't see it as something that I um, it was more of a thing for me where like. I'm just coming to do what I got to do real quick. And, you know, I'm going I'm to leave it. I'm going to learn what I can. And the diff, you know, so I think that's kind of where you and I differ because you actually did actually know some of the people in the department. I don't, I can't say I really knew anyone there and that anyone knew me besides you. You know what I'm saying? And oh, no, I just fake it. Like I knew them people. <laughs> like you, um, 
you know, our girl, like freaking a, uh, a dub, you know what I'm saying? Shout, Shout out. out. Um, like <laughs> y'all are my people and we know, you know, we both, you know, fool with TD, but for the most part, you know, I would didn't have lunch with and I would like some people, but I was always like, you know, washing, you know, washing one hand with the other, like looking at people and more so like taking the advantage of them thinking that I'm so whimsical um, to my advantage to really learn them and learn their thoughts. Um, there's a lot of people where I'm like, okay, you see something, but you don't want to invest. So what you're going to do is play it halfway cool with me to where you close, but not close enough. So that way, if things do blow up, you can say we was cool, but if they don't, shit come crashing in my face, you can act like you don't care. Right, like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm cool with them, but I don't mess with them like that, you know, one of them types of things. Like, I'm not associated with that part. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to make it look like we was cool enough in the minute, so I can say it's kind of like someone that's like, if this if this makes sense, it's like someone, if I like pink Starburst, I'm not going to share them with you, but I'll give you orange. To make you feel like we fuck, I fuck with you. Yeah, you know that's actually a pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually I'm, like, I'm messed with really, that. You don't really, you don't even eat orange Starburst, bro. Like you don't, you don't really fool with me. But you make it, you trying to make it seem like you do, and that's what I run into a lot, especially with my personality type because I am I'm lax plus whimsical, and then I'm you know like not trying to be funny. Playing stupid is way more fun than playing smart. like i get so much more when people don't think i know anything and then it's like as soon as they find out and i'm telling on myself right now so um but as soon as they find out oh you're kind of smart oh you're actually smart you know that's when they fool with me but i'm like you know i sit back and i tell y'all i'm telling you this play stupid but know everything like and that was like my name that was how i played the game back where we worked like I'm sitting here and I knew everyone I talked to was full of BS. I mean, like it was common <laughs> yeah, sense. Was, I'm like, um, you to me, numbers didn't add up. Like you've been here X amount of years, but yet me and you are technically in the same position. The, the thing that separates us is tenure or the thing that might separate us is one promotion. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that was always so amazing to me. You've been here 20 freaking years and the one and you're acting like this towards me when the only thing that separates us is literally only one, one minor at that. Yeah, that was always like a, you know, a thing for me, I guess, because. <laughs> yeah, that um, mm-hmm. that role, <laughs> it was just a very made up role to kind of take some work off of supervisors. No, it was to- called what it was called because that's what it felt like. Oh, I'm a freshman. I'm going to get there eventually, boo. <laughs> like, like, it's a matter of time. Like. It really felt like I was a freshman in high school and you really feel like you're doing something because you have this position. But honestly, it's a position that should come with time, just like it does in high school. Like, OK, bro, I'm going right. to pass on my here classes this long. It's time year. to go ahead and uh, give you this. All right, yeah. here you go. And I was like, so you mean to tell me I just got to like sit here and apply? Psh, no, I'm not going to do it because I a, don't see myself being here and B, calm down. Max out, because <laughs> you're doing Max way too out, much. Max out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it um, for me, uh, and this wasn't very professional of me at the time, but I think at this point I was very fed up with, you know, what I was starting to see. It was my next position, the one when I left, mm. and I went down to the call center side. And, oh, boy, I think one of my seniors pulled me in one day, and I just just looked at her, and I was just like, you do know that when the phones get busy, they put you on them too, right? <laughs> 
So let me just remind you. Yeah, it was like, so you're you're here talking to me about what you know what I mean? And I, I had let it be known very early. I was like, I came here because not because my last apartment was bad or I wanted to come here. I came here because I just wanted to keep my job while I finished school. So it got to a point where it was like, let it be known that this is temporary at this point. You know, this is not something I plan on doing. And but they knew that part even when they interviewed me because I told them straight up. I was like, um, I, my department that I'm in now, they're changing schedules and that's colliding with my current school schedule. So there's no way I can, you know, do both. So instead of me quitting the, you know, the whole company, leaving the company, I need to just transfer over. And I probably would have been better off just leaving and, and quitting because I wind up going like on leave and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that FMLA. But, um, yeah, that's just kind of how, you know, how that went, how that turned out for me. I was gone at that point. I think I left for like two months and now I left for four months in total because it was eight weeks, the first leave and eight weeks, the second leave. And that was just it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, OK, cool. I found a job during leave. So I just went ahead and dipped. And I mean, I don't blame. Them. I just quit. I was like, oh, I'm done. But I told them like I was always way more my 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 strengths weren't being utilized to the full of was potential and they weren't trying and then the one person that seen potential i feel like got moved um and you know that was my manager at the time and once he got moved it was kind of like well what's the freaking point because y'all are all robots and i mean i can't help but to be true blue millennial and we all about innovation progress and how to make this crap easier right like we doing all this wang yang 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 stuff when there's a way to automate these services and y'all aren't trying to be innovative um so I left, but I did tell them in my interview, like, yo, creative services, like, like, what do y'all have in that? Like, even if it wasn't the job per se, morale builder, right. team, uh, dealing with the teams, like the corporate um, end of it for employees, there was so much I could have done. But again, you know, they just didn't get it. And I ended up just quitting for the hell of it and, you know, launching pipe and now I'm a whole DJ. And I mean, life has never been like better. Granted, the money is not as consistent, but at least I can like live true blue me. I kind of low key kind of wish I would have stayed like because everybody working from home now because COVID. But I'm sure (laughs) I honestly in my previous department. that work from home stuff is not going the way that I think a lot of people planned. I've known a few people who have actually gotten fired since COVID. I I could imagine. Yeah. So because you remember how it was there. Yeah. So, um, well on the call center side, you know what I mean? Because they just monitored so heavily and I was just like, y'all have people monitoring phones. And, um, what I felt that they, their biggest problem was that they did not have, they did not play well to the strengths of their employees and they had this very dated way of doing things that honestly didn't even pay well for the customers that they were, you know, that they were servicing. So it wasn't working well for anyone. It was all about how it looked on paper and not about the actual result. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was pretty rough. I actually had a got a text message from a friend yesterday and she was like, I see why you left them. They're all a bunch of idiots up there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean so it was they're like, robots like it's, the it's there i mean and i don't blame them like yeah i think if i was close to like retirement age i would probably just be going through the motions as well um because why not but going back to like what my homegirl was talking about on her podcast like why not mentor why not build up the next generation of people that's going to be hearing kind of create the job in the space that you want 
Um, and that's just one thing I noticed that it wasn't a lot of like leadership. It was more of like a, I got this, um, and you jacking this up for the most of the rest of us vibes are, it was just, I think it's because they grew up in that era of competition. They grew up in that. That's what they came up doing was competing with one another for, and it was almost like they were competing with one another for scraps. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, if you were a young one and you came in, uh, it was like, cool, let me get in where I fit in and, you know, and let me let me go sit, let me go sit and chill with this person who's older than me, you know, because that's what it felt like. You know what I mean? Because it's really funny because you've been seeing friendships dying from it, you know? So then it's like when people get up and leave because there's no way, and I mean absolutely no way, I would have went and sat at a job for 30 years unhappy. Like, i just been going with the flow. How... You can't go with the flow for 30 plus years. You know what I'm saying? I was mm-hmm. like, because some people I'm like, you've been working there longer than I've been alive. And this is what you've been doing this whole time. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is what you've done. So, yeah, it was. um, Yeah, it was it was kind of it. The fact that they were competing, the fact that there was so much competition for what it was. And it, it just goes to show you it. Well, it just goes to show you that they made you feel like you were so valued but they turned on you as quickly as you were. So I think it's more of a thing of a fact where they thought they they felt more valued. And then like who, you know, there were people in that, in that job who had these positions that got snatched away from them. And it's like, they snatched this away from you. You know, that wasn't cool. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was, it's more of that stuff. Yeah. Like I said, so quick question, um, being in a job that you want, is the culture different. I mean, I know that, and what I more so mean, I mean it really on a basic level, like not necessarily at your place of business, but I guess working with people who are doing what they want to do for the most part, are closer, are they actually see the correlation between the job and what they want to do. It's kind of like what I would say is I enjoy customer service because it's a little bit more similar to what I provide as a, um, you know, NPR. I'm I get face to face. I get to see how consumers respond to this, that, and the fifth. So I enjoy customer service way more. Although it is still very left field, it feeds more into what I want to do because as a DJ, I set a vibe. When I'm providing customer service, I'm setting the experience vibe. It's all in experience. So do you think working with people who are actually doing what it is they want to do um, is um, is a is a game changer? Because I will say when we worked where we worked, you know, TD you know, had an experience and loved finance and numbers. And although we didn't deal with it as much, she did get a lot of roles dealing with numbers and finance and when we had to ask those questions. And she was like one of the happiest people there. But I also think, you know, a lot contributes to her personality. She's just dope, period. Yeah, she makes, she made work fun. She was like, she's like the one person that you feel bad about, you know, when you leave, you'd be like, dang, I miss her. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that was like my favorite person in that department. You know, just on a different level, just because she was so cool. And shout it, out if you're listening. Yeah. Um, so that was just like my favorite person. Like, I love, love, love like being there with this her. Is like, about you. It was legitimately when I never forget when they moved our seats and I wasn't sitting next to her anymore. <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs> I was like, this hurts me. But, um, you know, to answer your question, not so much being in a job that you want. I think just being, I, well, I guess because the job I want is so professional. Um, but being in a professional setting is more what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, because 
typically the job that you want, if it's customer service, it's not being a customer service rep, but it's having something to do with customer service mm-hmm. and maybe the planning and things like that, you know, more operations. But, you know, being in a job now that I do like, I'm actually in a professional field. Um, that part is so much more rewarding and it's completely different from when you are more into that entry level field. Not even entry level. You're just more of a, um, what do they call that? Uh, you're just more of, you know, production based because, mm-hmm. you know, a call center is still pretty production based. They're, you know, they're measuring you for something. So it's not even so much entry level. Um, I was just more of a laborer <laughs> there, if you want to call it that. Um, so being in, you know, the job that you like and it's a professional job, what one, you're not micromanaged. You're not, you know, you're not held in by, um, by measurements and guidelines and stats, those things are just kind of implied because managers at my, you know, at that level don't have the time to be sitting up there managing your behavior at work. They're managing, you know, that the work that you put out is correct because at the end of the day, the work that I put out is a represent it represents the country's representation of the company itself. So I'm not being measured on the conversations that I have. I'm not being managed on what was said and what time I got to work and oh my I stepped away on break for 16 minutes when I tell you me and my teammates when we were in the office we would be gone till for lunch for like two and a half three hours you know what I'm saying and if we needed to we bring our laptops home with us on the weekends it's like as long as our work gets done then we are good there is no standard of production I don't have to answer a phone I think I answered my phone with them maybe five times and they were in the five times I answered the phone, it was people calling for the girl who used to sit where I sat. So, you know, and it was like her friends calling who didn't have her new extension or something like that. Um, so there's just a different level and a different standard of professionalism and trust and decision making that I have now that I wouldn't have had had I stayed there. You know, it, what I was being asked to do there and what I was getting called into meetings for was, first of all, it was pointless. Um you know, you all are trying to find ways to <laughs> to you're not streamlining the process and you talking to me is not helping the process. Actually, it's hurting it because you just pulled me away from my job to talk about nothing. Now my meetings are, hey, these are financials. These are, you know, this is what this person is doing. Can You're going to be managing this now. Like, that's what my meetings are now. That's my conversation. It's a very educated conversation. It's very professional. It's very adult. Um, I have decision-making power. It's, you know, and I manage a lot of money. So it that's what I'm doing now. I'm not just like, oh, well, you didn't say this on a phone call, so you're getting docked some points, you know, and you're getting written up. This <laughs> Your grade for these phone calls are slow. Okay, cool. You can give me an F on a phone call. I don't care. Um, you knew before when I came here I wasn't a phone person, so you shouldn't have put me on the phone because that's not what you told me this was. Period. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how my last position wound up being. So um, so do you think entrepreneurship is so I guess people gravitate towards it, not necessarily because they're like, oh, I have this idea or I want to be my own boss, but because they're unfulfilled um, working because it I mean, when me and you talk, I really feel like there's not a lot of difference in like honestly our day today processes. I mean, out the difference that I find between us is because I work and I do what I do 
opposed to if I worked for a marketing agency, I feel like our conversation would kind of be the same as far as our day to day. Like you called me last night and I was reading a book for a potential client. Like I would be doing that if I worked for a a marketing agency or not. Like that's how I prep to have a meeting because, you know, he wants me to do an event for him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like we should have the circus. And then. Oh, no, actually, best point. Like, he had a lot of, like, scriptures, and the book was almost, like, almost very, like, a devotional. It was very good, honestly. I'm going to have to share it with you. Um, Okay. My idea of, like, cocktail hour. um, You have a lot of ideas. This is true. Yeah. Cocktail hour idea after reading the book can still be done, but has to be done now differently Um, because, you know, the book had a lot of Jesus in it, and I'm down with Jesus, but... You know, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, turn up and, <laughs> turn up you Jesus. know, yeah, we're not doing <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, John 316. And then it's like, John you want to take shots? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, 316 so, is happy hour still. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but I would be doing that for a client. Like I have it's my research. If I was a lawyer, it's like, oh, you have to kind of know if someone says, oh, I'm suing because she used intellectual, uh, intellectual property in my book. I got to read the book and I got to read her book so I can see the similarities or whatever. Right. Did this break copyright rules? Is this infringement? Yeah. And you I have know, to read like, it yeah. to find that out. So, Do like, you actually own this line. Like, what are we that doing? That part. Here? Yeah. Like, so, like, talking to you, I'm like, and then honestly, with your last statement, I'm like, is it that people really want to be their own boss or is it really that people want their dream job? Like, for me, I wanted my dream job, so I created it. Like, because right. honestly, if it, it felt easier than applying and getting told no. Um, I'm like I'm an artist before I'm anything else, so I'm hella sensitive about my shit. So if I'm giving you my heart, <laughs> <I'm> Beyonce, <laughs> yeah, Erica Badu. <laughs> um, oh yeah, well that's where she copied it from, right? That's yeah. where Beyonce copied it mm-hmm. from. But that was where I, that's the last commercial I seen it from. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's like I know that getting told no over and over again as a person would be good, but you denying my company is 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 better because I feel like oh you can't afford it or oh whatever. But you, you just don't telling me have no the funds. At a freaking, not audition, at interview, I'll right. be pissed. So, um, but yeah, that's why I kind of got into entrepreneur. I had to create my own lane um, based off of the fact that, A, when it comes to marketing, PR firms, I mean, honestly, they'll be major, but they won't have they won't have a lot of employees. And honestly, if you get in, you stay in it. So I got to wait for you to die. And I don't wish death on no one. So here I am creating my <laughs> own lane. Um, but listening to you, it really just sounds like it's more of people who want to um, live their live their dream. Like, oh, I'm good at this. So it's like, let me do this. I mean, there's always politics. Like, oh, if I'm a barber, you know, of course you don't want to be like, I know a lot of people who do hair and they work for like places like, you know, like these blowout bars and they only get paid hourly, but they're, but they're charging $40 per hour. But I mean, once you own your own business, you understand why the payout is so low. But again, it's like, if you get to love what you, if you get to do what you love to do, is it really, do people want to do that? Or do people really want their own business? Um, So I think it's a matter of the person because don't get me wrong. Watching you create, you know, your dream and and live it, I think that was probably the best thing for you anyway, you know, because I can't see you doing even what you do for a company, you know what I'm saying, and being happy, whether it was a PR firm or a marketing agency or whatever the case may be. So I wouldn't see you doing that. I think you were meant to be an entrepreneur because, one, 
you know, you do uh, march to the beat of your own drummer. You've always, that's just your personality in general. You know what I'm saying? And you are the type of person who needs to be free to do what you want to do when you want to do it, but, you know, still able to turn on that professional side and handle business when it needs to happen because you're the type of person who could do it, who could do both. You know, there doesn't have to be a line between it. And you also don't like to be censored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that is, um, that is, for you, entrepreneurship is was the move. But I do know that there are certain entrepreneurs who who are entrepreneurs probably because they just didn't want to follow the rules or they couldn't cut it or they weren't moving up and making enough money in the positions they were in. And not because they weren't value as an employee, just because they didn't bring anything to the table. So now they're they're like these, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, like everybody I, you know, I'll never forget getting on Facebook and people was like, if you didn't get an LLC with your with your stimulus check, then I don't know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, well, mine went into my savings account because I have one of those, um, you know. So the thing is this. Everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. And some people are entrepreneurs just because they want to. Oh, I don't have a boss. I make my own schedule. And it's like. Mm, that doesn't make you any more of an entrepreneur is your business doing well you know are you making more money than you're spending um do nope, you i'm not <laughs> right are you able to provide yourself with benefits are you able to do that but you're also at that point where you're working on your business and working up like you i see you actually daily making those moves and you didn't pick a business that was hmm let me go sell whatever for this company and call myself an entrepreneur because that's still not an entrepreneur you know i'm happy you said it because i've been right. trying to tell people yeah no everybody thought they were an entrepreneur this year i mean this these past couple of years and it's like yeah no that's still not entrepreneurship but yeah you don't work for a company on a set schedule but you still need to make some type of numbers you know what i'm saying like selling you know um stitch fix is that does not make you an entrepreneur <laughs> you know what i mean so that's pretty much what was happening um and yeah, there were some people they couldn't get, they thought that starting work was, you know, starting at their grace period and they, they couldn't clock in on time and they didn't want to be on the phones and they didn't want to do this, but also they didn't have the credentials to go get a professional job, like a degree because they didn't want to go to school either. It doesn't sound like you want to be an entrepreneur. It sounds like you just want something to be handed to you and you're upset because no matter how long you've worked after high school and this job, you weren't getting what you you weren't getting the position you want because you didn't have the one thing they were requiring you to have to move up. So you quit and you started another, you started your own company or whatever low key, or you just went and got an LLC. Um, so technically you started a company and technically you're an entrepreneur, but that it's not that you're, that that's your thing. That's your niche. It's because you just couldn't get where you wanted to get to because you didn't want to do what you had to do to get there. You know, so that's the other side of entrepreneur that they're entrepreneur that there is that I just necessarily don't like because, you know, so to answer your question, it's a um, it's a loaded question because there are different <laughs> answers to it. So in your you know, in your case, yes, entrepreneurship was the move for you, not because you didn't want a boss, but because you were creating your own lane. You know what I'm saying? And showing that you don't have to go apply to these companies and be held within these guidelines and on top of that you people like you who create their own lanes these are the people that these major companies look up to because you all are the ones who can take in those that new um that new age of client the one that's unrepresented or underrepresented and you know and make them something and then that helps them say oh well this is the move like you all drive the change in in the times and style and you know um 
in the trends. You know, you guys start that type of stuff and you, you're just that type of person anyway. So in general for you, yeah, entrepreneurship was the move because you're a trendy person for a lot of other folks who <laughs> just went out and bought an LLC. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry yeah, go, go do what you need to go do. Yeah, I mean, again, like I tell people all the time, entrepreneurship shows me I didn't choose it. It's way more work than what I would like. Um, um, it's a lot of responsibility, even in stuff where I call it entrepreneurship adjacent, like running um, AOD is definitely entrepreneur because I'm such on the ground floor with it. Um, it's entrepreneurship adjacent. It may not be my company, but it is definitely my baby. And I um, and I treat it as such. But you actually do have a company. And yeah. your entrepreneurship in your company is what made you go start giving your business there. Like, that's yeah. where your services yeah. are for your company, though. Exactly. Because you're not representing yourself personally when you walk in there. You're managing your, you're representing your brand. Pipe Dreams is all a part of, you know, what you do at the space. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, it, it definitely right. is. Right. So that's not you being an employee. That's you being, that's, <laughs> that's you having a client at this point and providing a service because I've also seen you help, you know, launch, you know, CBD stores. And while launching those CBD stores, you were in there helping customers. No, you were not an employee. You were helping launch something. So, I mean, that was all a part of your brand and people are going to look back and be like, oh yeah, no, she helped launch this. It's like, this was a project that you had your hands on. So yeah, though you went in there and you helped a couple of customers and you worked a register and you know, and you closed a bit, that doesn't mean that you were, you know, any less of an entrepreneur doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it was all still in the name of your, in the building of your entrepreneurship. And exactly. And I'm, thank you for that. Cause you know I'll be like mm. and it is like I said I love what I do but it, it's definitely tiring on the way here it was like hey putting out fires hey there's this there's that and um I mean honestly I'm blessed because I get to do it under my name but I also get to do it under somebody else's as you know whose name is a little bit more known um so I'm learning a lot through that experience and it's amazing I'm so grateful but it it, and it solidifies that this is what I was meant to do because I will say the cool thing about entrepreneurship is sometimes, you know, I may be a rebel by nature, but I also can follow the rules. But the cool thing about when you have your own company is you create rules. Um, and sometimes I'm like, hey, I really think things should be done this way. And when it's not yours, you don't have the liberty to do that. Um, but when it's yours, you can be like, you know what? We open till midnight. We close at one. It don't matter. Um, and you get to experiment with your own, you know, on your own dime. And that's probably the most rewarding thing, not the money, but to be able to trial and error something and no one tell, you no. um, because like I said, I tell people all the time, like, Hey, entrepreneurship does not mean you're going to be a millionaire. Um, it means you may make $40,000 a year and that's it. But you get to work on your own dime. Um, and I mean, the premise of my company is building other people's companies. That's what I love doing. Um, so when people be like, oh, well, you give up your dream to, um, you know, when you go to work for someone else. Honestly, if my job somewhere was to help other people fulfill their dream, I'm with that because it's the most satisfying thing when people tell me like, bro, you helped me. Like because of you, I was able to do this. Um, and I, I would do that under, you know, Popeye's chicken. I would do that under like my name. It don't matter. Like it's really the fulfillment money. While I wish I had way more of it, it's really like the furthest thing away because any job can make you money. 
Um, you can figure out money is just, you know, an exchange of labor for hours. Um, that's at the base level of it. Um, and for me, you know, especially now between Instacart and all the different ways to make money, it wasn't enough for me. It's really the fulfillment I get and being like, I believe in you and I want to help you and I want to invest my resources and my know-how and all of that into you. Um, and you know, I get to pick and choose who I do that for. And that's the most, um, the best part of entrepreneurship is I don't have to do what is given to me. I can seek and find and work with whomever I want to work with. But yeah, man. So that's, that's really, really cool. Um, and I think it's, like I said, hella dope that you get to do what you want to do. Like how many, how, how blessed are you to be able to quit, you know, to graduate college and then get a job in your industry. So with that, what I do want to ask is like, not necessarily your end game, but like when people do that, what is the general, I guess, end game? Because for me with entrepreneurship, all I know is, um, my, my company to make a lot of money and make more money. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that's really it to be able to do less, not be there. But at the same time, like I've learned that people like me. So I've, one of my friends is like, you need to get an assistant. I'm like, I, my clients wouldn't want my assistance. I was like, I, could you imagine pulling up at an AOD and it's not me? You know how mad the owner would be? Yeah, I would just leave. <laughs> oh, first <laughs> girl, if you don't get your, Shout out to Mahari because yeah. that would that would be hilarious. I'm actually gonna send my assistant. Don't worry. He would about just it. hang up. He'd be like, "I know you're playing. It's gonna be you yeah. walking in here." He was like, "You can send your assistant <laughs> to <laughs> the <laughs> optical if you want to." <laughs> <laughs> you better send them to Denton because you dang sure ain't gonna send them here. <laughs> but I've learned that, like my other client Bree, like I know for a fact she'll be like, "Who is this girl or guy or who?" <laughs> so when you gonna be done? Like right. they can run some quick errands. I guess they can run to the store, but. I called to speak to you. Right. So. Oh, you sent us an assistant? Oh, is, is that what you <laughs> Thank I mean, thanks for that. We didn't need one. I mean, we're still waiting on you to get here. Um, so yeah, but no, I couldn't imagine you sending an assistant. Yeah, anywhere. I've learned mm-hmm. that. I was like, most of my the people I work with, my clients, people I uh fool with, they would be looking at me crazy if I had you know, I'm just not in a position now because people pay for me. They pay for that clover experience. Um, they want that clover experience. And I mean, I'm so blessed to be in a position where um, that's it is what it is. Like, honestly, nothing is a higher honor. But, you know, um, that's one thing I'm learning in entrepreneurship is that people want you and you can have a team and people will really be like, F that team. I want you. I mean, but you know what? That's actually in any service and any service industry that you get into, because even when I was like when I was the um, underwriter for Hyundai, we were assigned, I had about 25 dealerships that I serviced, you know, and it was to the point that these guys had my cell phone number. So if I was off, I would get text messages like, hey, check this deal out when you get in, when you come back. <laughs> so, come back. right, because there's a relationship that you have established and built and people know you and they want your eye to be on it you know what i'm saying it was like no we like the way that you look at this so we want you to be the one to review it because the bottom line is like whether or not you know a credit bureau says this the dealership i'm dealing with says this you know and they put their stamp of approval not because they're trying to get a sale of a vehicle but it's like the type of client that they have you know and in general the relationship that we have so even if this deal goes bad um, one, I'm helping them get a deal, but two, they're going to send me three or four more that are perfect that 
may not have been the that Hyundai may not have been the best company for this customer because this customer may be able to go to their credit union and get this deal and get this rate and this payment. But because I've done so much for these dealerships, they're like, okay, cool. Well, we're going to go ahead and send you with HMF. So although I may not have given them the best deal or the lowest payment, or even if it's in my power to give them the best deal and the best payment, they're going to go ahead and let me know, hey, this is what such and such is giving them. Let me go ahead and screenshot this deal. I mean, take a picture of this deal for you and send it to your phone. And um, this is what we're going to do. And that's what they did a lot of the times. Hey, so can you match this? Can you beat it? And it was a yes or a no. But they'd be like, well, I'm still sending it to you anyway, because, you know, this is the type of love that you show us. So building those relationships, I mean, and people demand you, like even my job now, the people I service, like if I'm not there, I could put my backup's name on something and I'm her and she's I'm her backup as well. And the people that we work with, they're like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll just wait until she gets back or I'll just wait until he gets back. That's fine. Like, yeah. And then they just add us to the email chain. Or if it's something that they actually ask that person to do, they'll do it. But they're including me in the chain like, OK, hey, this is what we did. Can you one verify this? And two, you know, this is what we need to do next. I didn't want to go into too much detail. So because I knew you were going to be back this day. So, I mean, that relationship building is is serious. You know what I mean? Because people do expect you, you know, they expect they like the way you work. They're expecting something. And it's just funny now because now you got this image in my head of you telling uh, uh, <laughs> if you telling him like, uh, yeah, if you tell him, Mahari, hey, I'm going to send my assistant. And I just imagine his face. <laughs> Could you imagine it? I mean, I mean, he'll be like, what? Yeah, it's just. <laughs> Where'd you even get an assistant? Because <laughs> you didn't run that this by me first. That would be a whole run. conversation. Yeah, but I mean, it hilarious. is. And like I said, it's, it's no bigger honor, honestly. Um, I love that, you know, my person is in the high man. And honestly, um, I prefer it that way. Like, my goal with entrepreneurship, like people say millionaire, if that happens, that's dope. But my, I don't want enough work to where I need to hire other people other than my son um, and maybe future kids, nieces and nephews type stuff. Because um, I enjoy being, like, hands-on. I enjoy being part of the process because I love what I do. I love um, seeing someone's business come through. And I, I just, I mean, you know, who knows what happened if, if the day comes where it's like so many people want to work with me and I have to tell people no. Um, but I want to be in that position to be able to be like, you know, I, I can only work with five people at a time. Do you know that I could see somebody, I could see you hiring him? And people thinking that they're getting a different experience. Like, okay, well, maybe he'll be strong where she's not. And they get to him and they're like, you act just like her. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, I'm going to send Izzy. He the best. You, he the closest thing you going to get to And me. they over here like, okay, cool. Send him. Maybe he'll do this and Izzy get there and it's the same thing that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it being like, mm, all right. <laughs> like, yo, like, yeah. But that's really it. That's like the most I want is to be able to like make enough His money. His conversation would be so funny in the professional. Oh, Izzy is more to it. the point than I am. Yeah, he so, is. Oh, oh, yeah. Izzy don't beat around the bush. It's very oh, much Izzy like. Izzy would definitely be like, I don't like this. Yeah, that. <laughs> So and honest. he won't try to help you find a solution. Mm -mm. It's like, yeah, back to the drawing board for you because this is not gonna, this is not gonna work. And I'll be back next week. Like me, at least I'll be like, hmm, maybe purple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay, way well. to the point. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't like, think we're gonna do this uh, one. Let's um, like literally, let's like, regroup and, and meet back. Literally, the call boy me when you actually me. have something. <laughs> that's, 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 
He's literally the boy version of me, and I'm already like mad tomboy <laughs> myself. So it's like getting someone yeah, that who dude, gives man. less. That is um, that's a character for yeah, you. Yeah, but yeah, like that's really all I want. I don't really want to be like um like a super big company. That just seems like way too much work for me. It seems I just want to be able to be like ah. Oh, all right, well, I'm going to go work with Rihanna, so bye. <laughs> like, Rihanna, shout out, girl. Like, like uh, yeah, y'all rebranding Fenty Skin. Yeah, like, um, I got you. Like, I have ideas. Like, but no, I, I do. And I even it. when it comes to DJing, like, I, I love being intimate and part of, like, the people I DJ for, being part of the culture. The experience. The experience. Yeah. Like, I love everything being super personal for me, so... Um, I just want to make money, enough money to support myself in my life and my lifestyle because that, that part is important, my lifestyle. Yeah, that needs support, Miss Crawfish. Every I live, week a, for yeah, crawfish weekly season. crawfish and Dom Perignon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just let's end this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> just letting people know, like, you know, like, I'm not super bougie, but I do like good champagne. No, but, <laughs> like, but yeah, I don't want much. I just want to be able to do what I do and do it well, and you know, keep at a pool. That's yeah. what you. That's all you at really a care pool. about. Yeah, like I want to be able to be like, let me download my music like right here by the pool, <laughs> and like great cocktails, like it. That's facts. it. Yeah, but I'm yeah, but that's that's really it. But that's really dope. I mean, but you're able to live that lifestyle too. And like I said, it's definitely not a um, like. That's why I don't understand like the entrepreneurship versus person who works i really feel like it's maybe entrepreneurship versus uh sacker at walmart like i really feel like that's what the battle is because i just i feel like when people try to bat the two against each other it's like why would i open my own law firm up when i could just be a dope lawyer you know a lot of people people don't people don't realize that you know that risk and things that you take um, and you asked me a question earlier. I'm going to go back to it in a minute because um, I think we got sidetracked very bad. Um, somebody who actually follows this would be like, okay, but he never answered that question. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, there's a difference. People don't realize the risk that you take when opening your own business and um, that everything's at the expense of everyone who depends on you, you know, when you do open your own business. So I have nothing but respect to entrepreneurs. Um, and it really shouldn't be... The sad thing is it really just shouldn't be entrepreneurship versus people who work or in general, because if you're an entrepreneur, you need the people who work to fund your business. Like, I mean, you have clients that that need you or, to, you know, so thank you for being an entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's up. That's dope. Um, especially if you're being an entrepreneur in a field or something that you're passionate about, something that you're really good at and you just deliver a good service or product. So that in itself, like we need entrepreneurs. So there is no beef with entrepreneurs, you know, like that's not a, that's not a thing. Um, but it's funny because I've had to, you know, I've had to show people like, this is what it costs to employ me. You know what I'm saying? And, a company pays this for me and my services and for me to to show up and do what I do. So, you know, it's it's not just my paycheck. Like people don't understand. Like it's not just what you see that gets deposited into my bank account that shows how much I cost. If you see all of the company paid like benefits and things like that and how much I actually cost, I actually because I've processed payroll, so I've done mine. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not cheap and not I'm not saying that I'm better than anything by the by any stretch of the imagination but I'm like this company really sees this much value in me and it's not a monetary thing it's a 
this is what they decided to do for their employees to keep them here because this is how much they need their employees. A lot of it is going to a place where you feel like you're needed and wanted. Yes, no matter where you go in any position, in any company, you are replaceable and a company will replace you. But that is the same thing with being an entrepreneur. If you provide a service and you do this, there are nine times out of ten, there are five or six other people in the general area who could provide this same service. So just like I'm easily replaceable, so are you. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's it's just that. You know, I remember going on vacation. And, I mean, since I've been there, I think between Christmas and now, I've taken off four weeks of work and I still have, like, time left. And I've gotten paid for all of that time. You know, like, time where I was putting out absolutely zero work. But, you know, um, so that is just, I'm sorry. So, yeah, that is just, you know, where that is. And so there really shouldn't be a versus thing because the bottom line is this. I appreciate those people who don't have PTO, who put that work in. So when I'm off enjoying vacation or doing whatever, like, I respect the fact that you're still grinding. You know what I'm saying? Though, you know, this is something that you chose and you knew this was coming. You knew this was a part of what you were doing. I still respect you because it's not something that I could see myself doing. One, I really enjoy my security. I enjoy knowing how much I'm making. Um, and it's dope that you can have months that you or years that you make this much more than me. You know what I'm saying? But that should be the payoff given how much you, you know, your opportunity cost for starting this. You know what I'm saying? And so that the payout in the end and what you have to do and how much longer you probably have to work or how much more you have to save at a time is probably going to still work. We may end up in the same space. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I have a pension. I have retirement funds, investment accounts. Yeah. Like I have all of those things. And, um, so that helps me out because if I have to, when I quit or when I leave, I have, shoot, I I, I have like disability short term and long term. So like if something happens, I'm I ain't I'm got set. none of that. Right, you and know what I'm saying? Going back to entrepreneurship, <laughs> I, I got life insurance. I got, I got a term policy. But like, no, like facts, like people all the time are like, oh my gosh, entrepreneurship. But I'm like, yo, no, I ain't got no pension. I ain't got no short term, long term. And that's crazy because like, let God forbid something happen. I'm out. I can't spend. I can't, I can't, you know, I can, I mean, I could probably only create and I got to hope people want to come bedside and let me talk to them from laying down. Like that might be awkward. Like I'm just saying like, it's really not an either or. It's really about doing what you do and doing it well in any capacity. Um, the thing about it is, like, a side hustle can also be legit, and I think people forget that. Like, if Nick ever wanted to be like, you know what, I want to offer financial services for small business, he ain't got to quit his job to do that. He can get him a couple of clients on the side to make some supplemental income um, and process it out through a DBA, L- or LLC, if he wants to pay taxes. And keep it cute. It ain't got to be like the end all be all when it comes to it. So, I mean, that's just really what it is. Um, so, um, in other news, back to DMX, I just saw an Instagram post that Beyonce and Jay-Z are buying his masters for t- uh, $10 million and giving them to his kids for free. I mean, that's dope. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, create that wealth for them. Um, make sure they're set. And yeah. Did you know the little girl from um, Everybody Hates Chris? Um, the girl he was in a relationship with? Yeah, 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 her. Uh-huh. That's his adopted daughter slash goddaughter. Damn oh, wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. That's dope. I mean, but yeah, you know, take care of, take care of him, you know, um, take care of his family because the bottom line is this is 
there are so many relationships and this is the side to like the rap industry that you don't get to see you know what i'm saying is the support that comes along with it you know uh you tip you didn't used to see these guys out there going up for each other like this and making sure that people's families were okay you know what i'm saying like you didn't get to see these things so i'm really happy that this is something that is happening and somebody is actually taking that stance and saying hey you know make sure his family is good I hope this is a no strings attached deal. Not saying that I distrust, you know, the Carters, um, but I love it. You know what I mean? And I'm really hoping, you know, I hope that this, that they have, that they grieve properly. They have time to heal and, you know, things just work out. Um, but that's, that's dope that they're doing that, you know, and hopefully that will, hopefully that will leave a nice little nest egg for his kids and they can do something with those masters, you know, um, going forward. You know what I'm saying? Because he's, that, that means they're going to have payoff for a while. So I'm happy that that's happening for him. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and, um, what's his name? Prince Charles. Is that, yeah. Prince Charles. Um, what you call it? Who died? Yeah. Um, the Duke of whatever. Yeah. The, the Greek dude. Yeah. The other Prince, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth's husband. <laughs> Right, that one. <laughs> yeah, he uh, passed away too. And Carrie uh, Washington had made a joke, and she was like on Twitter, she was like, "I wonder what they talking about at the pearly gates." People got. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, like you know, like not necessarily that they there together, but you know, if you've ever been in line with somebody that's like your complete, like I don't even want to say opposite, just someone like completely left field, like because I feel like at least with your opposite you have enough in common to be opposites. Like you can tell right. me why you don't like darkness if I like light, but someone who just don't have a, a concept of darkness or light. Like that's just such a weird position to be in. Um, but yeah, Twitter got mad at her for that. It was a lighthearted joke, but I guess the timing was inappropriate, especially with the uh, climate of the culture. But yeah. I can't believe he's gone too. Um, I mean, he was 99. Like what are we, I mean, it just seems so random. I mean, and it's crazy because you know, like, that's when they notified us. So I'm sure he died, you know, a day or two probably. Right. Yeah, he's probably been, you know. A week, a month. <laughs> <laughs> so I wondered if what that means because that makes um, William, is that the other prince? Yeah, I don't know who's next in line. Oh I don't, yeah, Kate's a, husband. There's a lot. That makes him next in line. Okay. It's just so much controversy, like with that family right now, and then he died. Um, but Queen Elizabeth, I mean, she's still hanging on strong, so we'll see if she's still. Um, I always figured she would, though. I did. They say she was waiting until he died because she didn't think he was going to be competent. So mm. she was like, I'm going to wait till he died, then I can die. So we'll yeah, see. She's um, she's what you call it from Titanic. Uh, <laughs> she was she was always going to survive. She's on the door. <laughs> He's hanging. There's no room for you. Sorry. <laughs> that was pretty much how she oh was. Oh my gosh! Like it's <laughs> enough for me. Um, gotta stretch out, be comfy. Oh my gosh, Rose could have. She could have scooted over. He's still hanging onto that door right now. <laughs> a door is big, but what a six foot at least. That okay. was a big door. It know. was a big now, I'm door. I'm sure they exaggerated a bit for that movie because I feel like that, that couldn't have been a size. Like, she was legit floating on that door like it was an air mattress out to sea. Like, I mean, just maxed out. Like, I mean, she, she was on the king size. Like, uh, she was, you're right. But, yeah. But so, people were small back in the day. <laughs> they were small. Like, when you go to, like, um, Waffle House, they're made for people back in the day. Like uh, those boots, those boots we sit in. Do you remember we shared that? Yeah, <laughs> for that stranger. Like, shout out. Um, but those boots are meant for four people. <laughs> he was just standing there like he was like, he's gonna be waiting a while to eat. So let's just go ahead and You wanna eat with us? Let's Come just on. all be together today. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Yeah, I don't even know if he know we got a podcast. No, nah, probably not. I'm gonna DM dope, him. Though. I'm like, whenever well, he I did that whole him. workout thing, like he sh- we should bring him on because yeah, he's. I mean, he would make a dope personal trainer. Yeah. I remember him being from like what he was from um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, like, yeah, something like that. But yeah, he's a he's an interesting character. Shout out uh, to our Waffle House stranger. Um, but yeah, let me see what else happened this week in pop culture. Um, you know, DMX just kind of foreshadowed anything else I could possibly think about um, when it came to beef. Anything I don't even know who's coming out with new music. It's just DMX is such a major thing for me. Oh, I've been doing my new mix Monday, so check it out, I was y'all. About to say, let's. I mean, what's up with that? You know what I'm saying? Um, like the cleaning your house mix. Yes, did you like it? I did. <laughs> I didn't know what else to call it, but I felt like that's what you would do with it. I mean, yes, I clean my house to music in general, so it's a pretty good name for me. Yeah, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, this is what Saturday mornings used to be made of. So, oh my god, yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, so I'm working, y'all. Like I said, I'm I'm a DJ. Um, new-ish, um, so I'm working on transitions, um, so I could get a little smoother, but I'm excited to get how I phased into um, today is a good day, into the original. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really want to get that real seamless. So, the cool thing about your mix is because it actually was, it was, it was dope. I enjoyed that. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, thank cool you so much. So, the cool thing about your mix is that people can hear the growth with you, you yes. know, so even if they become new, like, when you're already grown into what you want to do or, you know, when you've gotten really good at it and stuff like that, they can come back and be like, oh, yeah, I hear the growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hear it. You know what I'm saying? So that's the part that, you know, that's really dope about, you know, all of it right now. Because, yeah, the goal is to come back and try these things later, like in a year. So maybe not the exact same songs, but I'm going to get today. uh, I'm going to get good day into the original version of that song, like to where it's like, so seamless where it's like you don't even notice where it sounds like one song and then also i did um i think i did another song like that i think i did um the beetle it was earth wind and fires virgin gotta get it with the beatles and i want to get more seamless with that so that's my goal so some of the mixes definitely you'll hear things that i'm trying to like work on um, but it's really dope cause it's like, oh, like, like I said, you get to kind of hear where I am and here I go. And of course a party mix is different if I'm out at an event because I'm watching the crowd and all of that. But I mean, like new mix Monday is like my thing. And at the end of the month, ideally I'll be launching my website. And so in addition to new mix Monday, y'all be getting a playlist. Feeling that. I mean, you just been working really hard in general. So, like, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. That playlist is dope. Um, that Neo Soul playlist was dope. I enjoyed that. So, I'm ready for it. Yeah. So, that's kind of what's going on with me. Um, the Chobbing Caves were in week two. Um, for those of y'all who don't uh, keep up, the Chobbing Case is like, you know, really, really heating up. Um, you know, the medical investigators were saying, like, anybody would have died. Because a lot of people are trying to say that um, George Floyd was, you know, he had drugs in his system. He was um, sick or whatever. But medical um, the what medical witness were saying anybody would have died from his positioning um, at yeah, the time I mean, of death. You know, you can't, you know, necessarily be mad at a, at a lawyer for doing what a lawyer is supposed to do. But, you know, um, yeah, they're really trying hard with the BS, you know, to... <laughs> to get him off because whether or not he had drugs in the system, he was still very much alive at the time that he was, you know, at the time that this happened. So 
if he wasn't going to die in the next nine to ten minutes anyway, there really shouldn't have been a problem here. Like, we wouldn't even have, we shouldn't be talking about this. And I'm going to keep saying that. Like, this really shouldn't have to be a conversation because he should still be alive. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, drugs that's in the system, true. Drugs in the system don't change the fact that you that you cut somebody's, you know, circulation off. Yeah, so y'all just really kind of keep up and stay aware of what's going on. But, I mean, the beautiful thing about this is that um, stories haven't been changing. Like normally That's when right. you get to this um, these positions, witness drop out. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but medical, even medical personnel are like, mm, he would kind of feel the, it, yeah, he did have the drugs in his system, but even a healthy person would have died from someone being on his neck for damn near nine minutes. Like, um, so yeah, just stay awake, stay aware. Um, and again, our thoughts are with the family. Um, again, I mean, but the, the horrible thing about it is that it happened. But the thing is, I do feel like people are really starting to see, like this man was pleading for his life and y'all killed him. And, um, the empathy is real. I feel like it's a new, I feel like, you know, like where is at one point people thought that, as minorities, we were making it up. I think people are, or they could see um, a loophole in the story. Like, well, if you just, in this situation, yeah, he if was you just comply, or, yeah. oh, this cop is, he was just doing his job and all this other stuff. And it's like, because mm, that's what I didn't see, which I'm happy about, was, oh, it was another per, another cop losing his job, doing his, you know, doing what he was supposed to do. And it's like, I don't think that's what he was supposed to do. So, yeah, the, um, the Blue Lives Matter movement is very quiet about this, which is not surprising to me at all. I mean, oh, they've been quiet since the Capitol. I'm about to say so. they can't really be too loud, so given it that you know this is what they were okay with. Um, so yeah, because they weren't there supporting that at all. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's good to see right now that there is such support. But again, you know, we still shouldn't be here, but we are. So now that we're here. Um, let's try to make this, you know, let's try to make the best of this. Let's support and let's actually get justice for once, you know, like let's really get justice rolling here and, you know, and, and hold people accountable. That's we. that's got to be the new trend, you know, going forward. People need to be held accountable for what they do. These past couple of years have been terrible. You know what I'm saying? With the amount of, the amount of death, you know, and murder by these cops to minorities. Um, it's it's been crazy and we really shouldn't be fearing the cops like they're the mob. You know what I'm saying? Like just for living every day and doing what we do. This is this is crazy. Like we shouldn't be afraid of getting pulled over for speeding. We shouldn't be afraid of a routine traffic stop. Like these things shouldn't scare us like they do. You know what I'm saying? And let's just, you know, it's time that narrative needs to just change now at this point. It's 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 past time for it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and another thing that happened this week was um, Biden's new executive order when it came to gun laws. Did you get a chance to check any of that out? I heard about it, but didn't go too in depth in it. Um, you know, I. So, what exactly is the order right now? I'm sure it's something to do with check background checks and stuff like that. But what exactly is the order? Because I didn't. I, I read a small yeah, piece about it, but I didn't get like, like too deep, so I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want to talk about something I don't. You know, I don't really know too much about just yet. And I don't know much, but like I said, when we speak politics on here, it's really more so to give you a dose of information to kind of know what to go look up, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. a, a cheat code in a sense. I mean, just in case you didn't see it, um, and it is they're they're definitely kind of like making um background checks 
a lot deeper. Like you have to get this. So basically it's anyone who has a gun, we know you have a gun and this is why you can have a gun. So to ensure that, Oh, if I have a past of being like a psychotic racist, I don't get a gun or I have a gas of being a criminal, a past of being a criminal, um, that shot people. I don't, you know, have the power to go get a gun, but they're definitely tightening the regulations on making handmade guns and fi- and providing more resources to gun violence prevention. Um, there's not really a lot of gun control on there, but I mean, it's a start. I mean, that's all it is. Like, uh, um, okay. so I'm, first of all, let me say this. I'm not against guns. I actually, I'm a very pro gun person. Um, but the deal is this, people have to realize what gun control actually is. This is still all gun control because it still tightens up the, you know, the, what it is, what it takes to get a gun. You know what I mean? Because the bottom line is this, there are certain requirements that you have to have to do certain things and something that should take somebody's life is one of those things that the requirements should be strict on. So this is gun control, and this is what gun control should be. It is background checks. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It is. And, and it's prevention of being able to, like, buy guns, like, at home. Because nowadays with people making these 3D printers and all of that, you can kind of make your gun at home. This is kind of preventing that. Like, we need a serial number. We need to know who it prevents buying all of that. And a lot of the time, what I'm learning is people want, like, the president, whomever it is, to come in and, like, change things but everything is a slow burn and um you know it's got to be effective you know like the the stricter background checks are important because when people do background checks it's like a background check on just you and your house i mean just you you know what i mean so that doesn't check the the schizophrenic person that that you know kid that you have that's been hospitalized that is that has shown violent tendencies like it doesn't background check that person so if you have multiple people in your house you know technically anybody who's ever been hospitalized for mental disorders at all or medicated is not supposed to have a gun in their home you know they're not supposed to be around it so if you're married to that person then and then you know, then you're not supposed to have a gun because the thing is this, that person goes through another bad, it takes one bad day. You know what I'm saying? And that's where we start to have that issue. And so that's where we have to, you know, we have to draw those lines, you know, because it's just too easy for people to get them who have these mental disorders, who have shown hatred for things, you know, I just feel like any time that you can get something that can take someone's life. Yes. I understand that a gun is protection and it is your right to have one, but it shouldn't be something that is, um, taken so lightly as it is you know what i mean like growing up we always had a gun in the house my dad had a gun i'm not you know never was there a time my father was worried about me and my brother sneaking his gun either away from the home you know or anything like that to take it to school to do anything and anybody at home with it my father was never worried about that because he taught us the importance of it and nowadays especially these young kids it's like not only is it gun control but it's um it's raising someone at home you know what i mean these kids play these video games they see these movies and they feel like these guns are like they feel like life is something you can reset when it's done and it's like nah you kill somebody that's it you know what i mean and hating someone is enough for you to not have to um for you to not be able to get a gun i mean shoot you can't even do jury duty if you have a bias towards something you know what i mean like exactly so it's like you know any i mean you you gotta be 20 there's rules and regulations for everything um to hell to get freaking pharmaceuticals um so i full-heartedly agree with you i'm actually excited and again um slow burn um so 
that's really that on um, that. You uh, using your degree this week? I am definitely using my degree this week. Um, this one is about savings. You know, it's um, pretty important that we do have a nest egg, um, especially because we are on a show talking about entrepreneurship. And, you know, and one thing that I've always um, said about entrepreneurship is that you have to have yourself a nest egg because you have to have some form of retirement. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to be working for the rest of your life. So just some quick rules. You know what I'm saying? This is pretty like general knowledge, but I'm going to still, you know, put it out there because a lot of the general public doesn't actually know it. Um, you should be saving like there's like a 50, 30, 20 rule. And, you know, basically what you should have to do, I mean, what you should be doing with your funds are this. Um, you should reserve about 50 percent of your budget for your for your essentials you know um so for your living you know your rent your food and you know just your bills in general about 30 percent of your funds should be going to your discretionary spending and 20 percent of your funds should be going to your savings out of that 20 percent um you from your savings you actually should um well if you're into this sort of thing and you learn it and you know it and you should start trying to invest about 10 to 15 percent of that, you know, and save 12 percent of it. You know, um, have a savings, but have a savings that grows, you know. And as far as you're investing, you know, actually get some knowledge on the what you're investing in. Um, if you're trying to do it out of a savings, it's OK to have something that's low yielding and low risk. That's OK, because you're, you want that to grow over time. You can do high risk things for like your day trading if you are some, if you're paying attention to it. But if investments are not your, you know, your go to thing or something that you're really interested in or a hobby of yours, then I wouldn't recommend doing anything that's too high risk because you're looking for something, you know, short term at that point. So if you want to do something that is low risk, you know, get into um, these low yielding investments and stuff like that. So then you can actually let, watch your money and grow over time, invest it. So when you're ready to pull it out, it's there and you have something, you know, something going on or get yourself like a Roth IRA and let somebody invest it for you and you just tell them what you want to do. You know, these financial advisors have to be licensed these days um so i, I highly doubt we're going to be we're ever going to be in a place like we were a couple years back you know with the financial crisis because people were just investing and there was no repercussions for it but now there are so go out there you know and and make your money let your money make money you know let it grow um and let that be your driving factor so if you are in an entrepreneur world you know if things don't go as bad if things don't go as well as you think they are or they go you know they go bad all of a sudden you have a you know you have something you can fall back on all right well there is that and for my little extra for free you know um Shout out to Twitter. <laughs> like, y'all were wilding after the freaking Earth, Wind, and Fire. And, and, I mean, shout out to Versus. Like, my extra just a big kudos to Versus and Twitter for the commentary afterwards. Um, and the comedians who do a skit. I forgot who they were, but I'll definitely link it in the bio. If y'all haven't seen it, who did a, uh, they did, like, a parody afterwards. Um, y'all are funny. Uh, Twitter is funny. Y'all are Black Twitter, especially. Y'all are hilarious. Um, Mr. Biggs, come on, Ronald Isley, to this day, is still the one that can get three generation of women. He gets your grandma, your mama, and you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I live for it daily. Um, I think I sent you, Nick, I think I sent you the tweet where it was like, Ronald Isley, check your DMs if you know how. Like, come <laughs> yeah, on. He, I mean, Twitter had me riling after the verses and just shout out to the appreciation of music. I mean, 
I mean, like the the artistry, the penmanship, um, the fact that music back then was you wrote music to compliment a woman. That's just beautiful. That's poetic. Um, you know, just the, you know, all of that. So Ernie Osley, like, you know, you are the pen. Like, shout out to you. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, Versus was great. The next one is coming up. I believe it's SWV versus um, Escape. Um, that's going to be a fun time. It's definitely, you know, like, can't compare because one is just classic and a good time. But it's going to be a good time. So get your Alizé. Um <laughs> Uh, whatever else, yeah, Arbor Mist. I don't know what they used to drink during that time. Oh, people gonna do hypnotic again? Oh yeah, hypnotic. <laughs> like let's have a good time, while out and enjoy it. I mean, like the beautiful thing is like in the midst of disaster, beautiful things can be made and appreciation can be felt. And that's what I got to shout out to COVID nineteen for because we wouldn't have these verses had it not been for COVID nineteen. So <laughs> I'm with it. I'll take it. Um, you know, making the best of a worse situation is definitely something we can all do. And let the pandemic teach us that. Like, make the best of a wor- of a bad situation and connect. Um, you know, use social media to be social. Like, I love Versus because it's definitely a time for me to go party with strangers. And shout out to D-Nice for the come up. For showing us how to pivot for real. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, I mean, like that he's was, definitely my inspiration. Yeah, especially in this DJ game. Oh shit, yeah, I'm with that. I mean, it is just to be able to be like, hey, I'm gonna make a good time. Like, come and listen to music with me. Like, that's it. Now he's, I mean, D Nice ain't, you know, he was already a pretty dope DJ, but I mean, he's he's now historic. He is the DJ of COVID nineteen. That's facts. That's like, like big facts too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Remember when D Nice and twenty he's in he's history. He's part of it. Yeah, make your name, man. Shout yeah, out. What part about of the you? Movement. Um, you know, my my something extra this week. This is kind of funny. Um, there was a poll taken okay. and forty six percent of Americans, uh well the people who took that poll, I'm not saying of all Americans, because I never get these polls. I don't Yeah. Either. But uh forty six forty six percent of people who took this poll voted that they would want um the rock as the next president of the United States. <laughs> What have they done to make you want him? <laughs> I don't know, but he was <laughs> I mean, I guess it's the same thing Donald Trump did to make the rest of them want him. I have no idea, oh, you know. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. but you know, he then <laughs> he, you know, he this gets uh, posted and he's like, "This is humbling. I don't think our founding fathers ever envisioned a six-four, bald, tattoo, half black, half Samoan, tequila drinking, pickup truck driving, <laughs> fanny pack wearing guy joining their club. But if it happens, it." <laughs> It'll be my honor to serve you, the people. Yes, quote, need it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, come on, was, ancestors, wildest dreams. I thought it was dope. So you know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to The Rock. Shout out. I'm tequila <laughs> drinking, too. So, yeah, definitely shout out to The Rock. Um, I love that. Like, I need that on a t-shirt. No, it was dope. Yeah, he, <laughs> that needs to be pinned somewhere. I like that. Yes, yeah. okay, and I quote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Y'all be easy. See you next. Well, hear you, speak to you, whatever whatever it is when people sign off next week. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Y'all have a good week. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, your boy, Nick underscore 91 on IG. Yo, and that's crazy creative. Always at it. You know what I'm saying? Looking forward to seeing y'all. And one thing we never actually shout out, I don't think, is the actual podcast. Um, so we should probably shout that out one of these days. Straight Guac. This, uh, follow us at Straight Guac. I mean, yeah. it's that simple. Straight Guac. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Twitter. Uh, Facebook? Well, no, we don't have Facebook. Twitter yeah, and uh, social, me- social and media. And IG. Yeah. And IG. Yeah. yeah. So follow us there. All right, guys? Thanks again. Bye. <laughs>